Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real-Time Enterprise channel on Vantic TV, our video and podcast series of interviews with thought leaders and practitioners in digital transformation and the real-time enterprise. My name is Blaine Matthew, and I'm Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Vantic. Note that you can reach either myself or the guest by sending a note to realtime at vantic.com, and we will be more than happy to follow up. Welcome to 2019 and a new season of the Real-Time Enterprise Channel on Vantic TV. No doubt it will be an enjoyable and challenging year ahead at the intersection of business and technology. Joining me today is Tony Olvet, the Group Vice President of Research at IDC Canada. Hi, Tony. Hi, Blaine. All right. Really great to have you. Now, of course, IDC is one of the most well-known analysis and advisory firms in the technology business, and Tony's had a long career there, starting as an analyst and working his way up to managing all the analysts across all the research domains in Canada at IDC. Now, if you're following the Vantic TV episodes, you will have seen a recent one featuring Sean Fitzgerald, head of the digital transformation practice at IDC in the US. Definitely check it out if you missed it. The focus of my discussion with Tony will be what is going on at the intersection of business and technology, particularly in Canada, and the ways that it is similar and maybe different from what is going on in the US. And for those that might not be aware, I, your humble host, am in fact a Canadian. I can prove it by my jacket that, that I'm wearing. So we've got a special uh, Canada episode here, coming home with Tony. And, uh, and in fact, this episode marks not only the beginning of 2019, but the beginning of a bit of an international push for Vantic TV. Through 2019, expect to see many more international guests and gurus and experts and practitioners from around the world. So uh, having said that, let's get started, Tony. Sounds good. I'm happy to be here. This is an exciting format. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And I love the jacket. Ah, well, thank you. And I know I showed you that jacket before at a, at a conference we were at in Montreal last year and, uh, and everybody got a big kick out of it. So what I need is a jacket that's actually half Canadian flags and half uh, American flags. That would be probably the ultimate jacket. That'll be my next upgrade, you know. All right. So why don't you start telling us more about IDC, but specifically, why, why does an IDC Canada exist and what's sort of special or different about what's what IDC Canada is all about? Yeah, sure. Happy to. Uh, so IDC Canada, is, um, we've been serving the tech industry and, and users here since 1984. Uh, as you might know, IDC has been around um, in the U.S. since 64, but we established a presence and have uh, grown our business quite substantially over the last few decades. And and uh, what we, we have a mix of business Part of our business, in fact, the majority is advising uh, vendors on uh, tech trends, marketing and, and sales and so forth, um, but also growing business to, to end users who are looking to implement technology and understand um, what's, you know, what's next, what are some of the risks and implications, um, what are some of the trends that they need to, to take a look at. So uh, establish a great team here. I enjoy um, you know, the, the, the benefit of having a, a, a senior team of analysts. We also have uh, support from 
our consulting group and sales. So it's a, it's a great company. We have uh, lots of, everything's changing in this industry, as you know, Blaine. So mm -hmm. we, uh, we enjoy that, um, uh, that change in that environment of, of fast paced business here in, in Toronto, covering Perfect. all of Canada. Yeah. Perfect. Fantastic. And so tell us a little more about how did you get to where you are today? What's your, what's your backstory? So the backstory goes way back um, when I was doing my uh, master's paper at University of Toronto, looking at the role of uh, intermediaries in the technology sector. I focused specifically on value-added resellers. And um, somebody I met at a conference said, why don't you go to IDC Canada? They, they do a lot of research on bars, on value-added resellers. And I uh, had a meeting with the uh, one of the VPs um, and uh, got some data. And that really helped with my research paper. And I finished that off. And um, actually, the day of my uh, graduation, after having uh, lunch with my parents, I went over the job board at U of T, and there, there was a contract position for IDC, hmm. and I and it was almost written for me. And I thought, if I can't nail this, um, I don't think I'll get a job anywhere. And uh, long story <laughs> short, I'm still here. Um, it's it's been a great ride. I've you know I joined when uh, the year Netscape uh, went public. Windows 95 launched and sort of the, the dawn of the commercial internet, I'd like to think of it. It was a, it was a pivot point in the industry. So I've seen a lot of change over the years. Hmm, fantastic. Really interesting. And full disclosure to our listeners and viewers, uh, Tony and I worked together on a project when I was working for a, a large vendor in Canada back in the early 2000s. You were obviously earlier in your career and so was I. In fact, that was so, so long ago, but we engaged in a very successful major project together and that's how we first met. And we've been uh, right. keeping I remember up that well. for almost 20 years now. All right. So what particularly excites you about what's going on these days at the intersection of business and technology in Canada? And maybe if you want to talk about some of the interesting projects you or your team are working on, that would be cool. Yeah, there's two or three really interesting areas that uh, I've been able to touch on and it's going to expand our research. Obviously, our whole body of work around digital transformation, that's been an ongoing um, focus for IDC globally and in Canada for the last three or four years. I know you talked to Sean Fitzgerald already, and uh, in Canada, we've been looking at the progress of Canadian organizations around DX. I think, you know, you saw the presentation at that conference a few weeks ago. We can talk a little bit about that. So that's kind of an ongoing monitoring of, you know, where Canadian organizations are, what's the progress, what are some of their uh, goals, and what are some of their, their challenges, frankly. Um, but also some more forward-looking uh, work around 5G. So 5G wireless going to change the tech and business sector. And that's going to be a very interesting space um, to watch for uh, quite a while. This is not like an overnight sensation. The, the carriers are building out their networks now, but um, there's lots more to happen in the next two to three years before we really go commercial in Canada. Um, and then finally, I guess the intersection of a whole bunch of different technologies uh, brings to life this, or this notion or the concept of the future of work. So. We're actually hosting a conference uh, with ITAC, the, um, our partner, the Information Technology Association of Canada, January 30th in Toronto, looking at the future of work. It's a, a morning session, and we have our global uh, future of work analyst, Roberta Bigliani, joining us from Europe. So it's going to have an international perspective. We have panels and keynotes. So 
Um, yeah, there's there's so much to to look at in 2019 in the year ahead. There's there's mm. lots of exciting projects. Interesting. So a lot of those topics you touched on briefly, I think, are have been reflected in a lot of my discussions with technology leaders and others in the U.S. Is there anything, or are there any things different? about what's happening in Canada than what's happening in the US? Do you perceive any differences or is Canada just a slightly you know, smaller mirror of what's going on in the US? Yeah, there are some differences and you know, that's one of the major roles that we play is helping our vendors um, clients understand those differences because they're often subsidiaries of US firms and they're, they're given you know, targets and quotas and so forth. So uh, one of the things that kind of a structurally or the, the economy as a whole is um, more dominated by mid-market or SMB size organizations. So you don't necessarily have the same large scale enterprises that the US enjoys. And hence the, maybe the deeper pockets or that ability to scale up um, is a, more of a challenge for Canadian organizations. Um, the second thing to think about in the kind of the structure of the business is there are more subsidiaries of foreign owned firms in Canada. So decision making isn't necessarily 100% uh, within their control. So those are two things to really think about when you're when you're looking at the Canadian market that you know that the, the lack of super large scale enterprises and to the, the fact that there's more um, foreign owned subsidiaries that dominate the Canadian market. Hmm. And how does that? How do you think that plays itself out in terms of, you know, impact of how, how technology companies and vendors have to act and how decisions are made. Any, any thoughts? Yeah, I think there, there's a little more uh, conservatism, uh, a, mm. a bit of cautiousness in terms of adopting or leading with uh, really leading edge projects uh, or, or technologies. So there needs to be a little more time to establish that credibility to show the business outcomes, the proof points, uh, whether it's ROIs or other types of case studies and testimonials. And that's why I think you still see organizations gravitating to those, those, you know, those case studies or conferences where peers get together. So we do a lot of work with um, the CIO Association of Canada, and they're all about networking with peers um, to understand, you know, what, what did you learn when you, you know, deploy this, you know, this tool or this technology for, um, such and such an application or how are you guys structuring your digital transformation office and what's the governance strategy those are the types of things that we you know we're involved in those conversations but we also see you know help facilitate that networking through the, the associations and, and yep. conferences themselves yeah makes sense having been somebody myself who's worked on in technology on both sides of the border i absolutely agree with everything you said Having said that, I wouldn't want our listeners to think that, you know, the Canadian, uh, you know, tech market is, is moving slowly or, and, and in fact, what I've seen attending uh, and, and presenting at, uh, you know, various uh, Canadian technology conferences over the last couple of years, in fact, the same conference a few years running now, is I've seen actually a dramatic acceleration in the embrace of Canadian companies as some of these interesting transformative technologies. It's actually been really impressive. I'm sure you're seeing some of that as well. Yeah, we are. And what I would characterize like the, the progress or the maturity of organizations has moved a little bit slowly, but where we are in Canada is a lot, you know, the dominant model is it's project based rather than an enterprise ah. cohesive strategy from the top down. And I think, 
the companies that really get it and are going to start pulling away from uh, the pack tend to have a, a centralized, cohesive enterprise strategy for digital transformation or innovation, whatever language you want to use. So not enough companies in Canada, and I think it, it's similar to other markets, have, have made that, that strategic, that bold move. Because there, you know, there are risks, you know, people start to measure and they, they're very vocal about their goals. And if, if they fall down, you know, um, maybe that doesn't look so good on, you know, on, the, on their resume or on their, you know, their annual review or, or on the front page of the national paper, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's really interesting. We talk about this topic a lot on Vantic TV. Uh, I think the notion of sort of a, a big strategic umbrella plan or, you know, to get to drive toward overall organizational transformation is, is very important. The failure mode to that is when you try to do too much all at once. And so I, on the other hand, I like the notion of a project-based approach because you can pick off something small and get it done and execute on it, show some value, and then the next thing. And I, I agree guess, with that, yeah. yeah. I think you want to have both things working together. You want an overall vision and a plan and a framework, but you also want specific, clear-cut, actionable projects. Otherwise, you're never going to get anywhere, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think it is important to to celebrate those small wins, learn, refine the process, and bring that knowledge and, and change management um, best practice into other parts of the organization. I mean, I don't think anyone uh, on the research or analyst side at IDC would say this happens in one or two years. In fact, I would think, you know, some of our, our global advice is, you know, DX, true digital transformation is, is close to a 10-year journey. And you, you look at it from different, um, you know, from a high level, different strategies, programs, and then break it down into use cases. That's actually one of the really um, compelling sets or bodies of research IDC has done over the last uh, year and a half, um, breaking down use cases in functional areas or roles. And, and that's, that's really helped both vendors understand, okay, I really, I need to go down a layer and stop just talking about this one big topic called digital transformation. We need to actually look at it at a program level, whether it's, you know, omni-channel or, or e-commerce and break down what, what are the projects. And it's also helped end users to say, oh, I see how other companies are doing it. At least it gives me a roadmap to think about the problem and the solution state. Yeah, right on. And, and for those that missed my interview with Sean Fitzgerald, again, we spent quite a bit of time talking about this. IDC actually has an incredible database of, of almost 800 use cases for digital transformation you know so again under this large umbrella of strategically what's your path toward digital transformation idc's got right down to the very micro level whether you're running a manufacturing organization or a field service organization whether whatever your industry is in they've got literally hundreds of specific uh, use cases of things you could do to use technology to transform your company and i highly recommend you take a look at this uh, if you get a chance, because very valuable source. And we, we use it at Vantic all the time, frankly, when we're talking with clients. Yeah, I'd love to hear that endorsement. I mean, just the fact that it's being used in a practical sense is awesome. You know, I, I guarantee um, it is. In fact, I would bet that Vantic is one of the most avid users of your database. So good, uh, good job. Good job, guys. All right. So we actually now we segued into the discussion specifically on digital transformation. Any particular examples or good examples of companies in Canada that you think are, are undergoing an effective transformation? 
Yeah, there, you know, there are a few. We've done some case studies on different projects and uh, I've highlighted, you know, summaries of those at some conferences. There's companies like um, Technion, a man, you know, a uh, office furniture manufacturer, um, Tridel, they do some smart buildings. But I think one that's probably more recognizable is Cirque du Soleil. And, uh, I've you heard know, of them. I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they're an entertainment company. They, they are known for their dazzling live shows and costumes and all of, all of what they do, uh, what's embodied in their processes is, is innovation. They've, they've actually built four uh, innovation labs and they, they're focused on different aspects of the, of the business, whether it's the product, set production, remote set production, or their costumes or talent management and the overall technology. So as able to talk to their leader of, of one of the innovation labs. And um, they, they were super excited about what they're doing with virtual reality. So they can, mm. they can build a, uh, a setup of, a, of, a, of one of their uh, facilities on the other side of the planet, because it, you know, these, these things are installed over a number of months and then they may stay in production for you know, 18 months or something like that. It's, it's a big capital cost. So they've been more agile by being able to build and almost sit in the seat of a prospective customer as it would seem once it's live and they can change some of the aspects of that. And so they've all, they've done that through remote uh, solutions and been able to kind of virtually replicate what it's going to look like. That's, that helps them build a better design, massive cost savings, and it brings different, um, different stakeholders from across the, the international organization together. So there's obviously you know, basic cost savings for, for travel and things yeah. like that. It's a, re a really interesting example because Cirque du Soleil, of course, was basically a disruptor of the classic you know, circus uh, business model right from the get-go. They were invented as a disruptor. And now they're a great example of a company that's continuing to transform and disrupt itself, right? It would, it would be so easy for them to rest and say, well, we're already doing something different. We're good. We're a leader. Let's let's just keep doing what we're doing. But as you said, and I've read some of these case studies on on Cirque du Soleil, they are absolutely not satisfied to stand still. And as you said, they've created these innovation labs across every area of their business. Just a really a tremendous Canadian example of a company that is undergoing continuous transformation and, and continually, frankly, even disrupting itself. What a, what a great example. Yeah. And I think that's one of the attributes that we've seen in our, in our digital transformation work is those leaders the, who are in the optimized state, they, they do not uh, rest on their laurels and they, they continue to make sure that you know, they're ahead of the game and, and they're creating new opportunities by being that much uh, further ahead of the, the pack, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's, that's great, Tony. So let, let's shift toward one of my favorite areas of these discussions where I ask the guests, I give the guests a chance to call bullshit on, an, on a particular area of conventional wisdom. So what is a sort of a calmly accepted uh, belief or conventional wisdom where you say, no, that's just not, not accurate? Oh, well, you know, everyone thinks that, you know, because I'm in Canada, it's, you know, snowing all the time and it's, uh, no. Um, <laughs> the weather here is very mild, especially right now in the last few, uh, few weeks has been mild, but um, I think- Okay, but Tony, it's supposed to be at the intersection of business and- Oh, right, yes. So, okay, try again. All right. So uh, to get to get down to business, I think one of the things that we uh, we hear a lot is 
um, Canadian business are laggards. And I would agree that we are behind perhaps uh, the U.S. market in sort of the average Canadian business or that, that middle of the pack uh, group of, of companies. But, um, and, and people throw around, you know, 18 months behind, you know, when a technology is adopted in the U.S., 18 months later it's adopted here. That rule of thumb can be chucked out the window. And I think what we have to recognize is there's pockets of uh, pretty advanced uh, development and innovation. And, and one to highlight would be um, artificial intelligence. So that's, uh, it's a, there's a hotbed of startup and research organizations in Canada. There, there's different pockets. There's a cluster in Toronto. Um, Jeffrey Hinton at U of T is, is leading the charge on a lot of that. So you, if you mix that in with the, the growth of uh, our metropolitan areas and the, the great research institutions, what we're seeing is perhaps um, some of the most innovative work and nothing to do with uh, you know, technology laggards. Um, I think one of the challenges though is connecting what's happening in the research world with the business problems of Canadian organizations. That's where we do have challenges and I, and every vendor is, is looking for a way to, to overcome that by you know, providing more proof points, more business cases, being relevant and credible when it comes to solving problems, operational efficiency, some of the work that you're, you know, Vantix doing. Yeah, well, that makes that makes perfect sense, and I've actually been reading a lot about how even Montreal, in particular, has become a global leader in AI, not just basic research on AI, but but also applications of AI. A lot of AI machine learning related startups are, have been congregating in the Montreal area as well. Yeah. So, another you know definitely another area where Canada is is probably ahead of the pack. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say this is all about Toronto there, you know, there's clusters of it in, in Alberta, you know, you're from Alberta originally, I am, I believe, I am. Vancouver yes. as well. So, and of course, Ottawa, there's still a thriving tech community in Ottawa. So we, uh, we are, you know, we are dominated by a few metropolitan areas compared to the U S where there's many, many more cities of medium uh, size. Um, we essentially have five or six major metropolitan yeah. areas. Yes, and I'll just throw out there the, the Deep Mind project, which originally beat the chess masters, Gary Kasparov at chess, and then, and then morphed into the Go uh, project, was began at, at the University of Alberta, my alma mater. So, so right. there you go, just to get some credit out there where, where credit is due. So, uh, yes. So, thank you. Thank you for that. So, any uh, technology or business predictions for 2019? So yeah, we, we just did our predictions webcast. So was it a week or uh, two weeks ago, almost uh, Lars Gornson and I, uh, it's, it's our most popular webcast of the year from uh, the Canadian office. Um, we covered 10 predictions. What we've done lately is go a little bit beyond uh, the one year mark, but in terms of what's happening in, in 2019, one of the, uh, the hot trends that have kind of risen rapidly uh, for two reasons. One is that, you know, the growth of IOT and data, um, field data, if you will, is, is the, uh, our prediction is that 10% uh, of organizations are gonna start piloting edge computing architectures in Canada next year, or in 2019, I guess this, yep. the, yep. the 12 months <laughs> that we're in now. That's right. Um, and you know, that really has um, come up because of, you know, the, the explosion in data, and we have a global data sphere project, and and that the vast amount of data, not all of it needs to be uh, processed back in the core at the data center. And there's so much happening at the edge. And uh, 
so, but it fundamentally changes how the IT department and their vendors look at the architecture of, of compute, storage, and processing and analytics. And it's probably something that's near and dear to your heart as well in terms of what you guys are doing. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree fundamentally. There's no way that all this data which is being generated by, by IoT devices, by enterprise systems, by people on mobile devices, it cannot be all processed in one you know, massive cloud application, even with 5G helping to accelerate and speed it up. So, so absolutely, I'm seeing, I'm seeing exactly what you're saying. Edge computing is necessary for these new use cases, but it is still early days. It's it yeah. absolutely is early days. So I think your 10% is probably a pretty good uh, prediction. Yeah, we would yeah. say more mainstream adoption of edge would be sort of around 2021 or 22. Yeah, which sense. you know, uh, that kind of dovetails with what's happening with you know real 5G commercialization in Canada, likely not till late 2020, and but that's going to create a whole bunch of new business models and opportunities to uh, to evolve and accelerate um, business transformation. Yeah, absolutely. And it directly relates to the sort of overall theme of this series, which is around creating the real-time enterprise. And if you're basing your enterprise, your transformation around the notion of doing things in real time as the data is flowing, you're going to have to be able to process that and, and do some of that work on, on the so-called edge, or you're not going to be a real-time business. Uh, so yeah, I, that's uh, right on the money. So any, any final sort of takeaways or tips for maybe let, let's talk about technology vendors who are trying to help companies drive uh, their real-time transformation. Any tips or takeaways for vendors overall? I think you know, one of the things that has become very evident in uh, Canadian organizations is the, the vital importance of security. So cybersecurity is now a boardroom topic. It has uh, a lot more attention, which means there's more budget and there's more expectations that security is going to be built into the solution that's being deployed. So, you know, if there's a, advice for a vendor or, you know, or buyers out there, it's just to think about um, being very proactive about security. And we believe it, you know, by design, it's good for business, um, kind of yeah. the same way as privacy um, and that's a whole other topic you could, you could have a webcast on, but security specifically, um, because, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that there's, there's so many opportunities for, you know, bad actors to, um, penetrate systems that there has to be a plan in place. There has to be a focus, you know, and are you going to be doing it all yourself? Or are you going to be looking at, you know, uh, managed service providers around that. And that's that's actually one of our bigger uh, predictions is the growth of managed services around securities is going to outpace you know, stand, you know, security product purchases. Mm, very interesting and makes perfect sense. And I think that's obviously good advice for both vendors and buyers. Yeah. Uh, right on the money. Well, I think that wraps it, Tony. Thanks so much for joining us today. It was a really interesting conversation. Thanks, Blaine, and uh, appreciate it. You're welcome. And those interested in hearing more of Tony's thoughts can, of course, find him on LinkedIn. You can follow at Tolvet on Twitter. And, of course, check out idc.com slash CA. And you can reach out to me anytime at realtimeadvantic.com. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, search for The Real-Time Enterprise on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you are already listening to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, Please leave a rating or comment and let us know how you are enjoying the show.